We all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello, and welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is your host, Mike Slatman. I'm a, honored to be a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators. And I've been a fire investigator for over 45 years, actually 46 now. And uh, I'm the president of Fire Consulting and Case Review International and the manager of CFIS, which is Consolidated Fire Investigation Services. And this is Donna Ingram, and thanks for bumping that. I've got 31 years in fire and fraud. <laughs> And I'm a past director of the International Association of Arson Investigators, and welcome to Speaking of Fire. Today we have a friend. This this is a friend of mine for many years, Corey Reeves, um, IAAI CFI, uh, CFEI, CFII. Oh, God, he's a certified instructor. He's a he's a former firefighter uh, and uh, and was in fire investigation since 1990. Uh, he is the president of uh, the consulting firm Origin First LLC, which he founded in 2009. And um, and Origin First is a is a consult uh, consulting with manufacturers, law firms, and individual parties and in product liability cases, which is something that we haven't had on the show before. And um, He's he's also been uh, a member of the board of directors for the IAAI and uh, at representing I think Illinois at that time, right? Illinois, yes, Illinois, and a board member of the Illinois chapter for a number of years. And well, anyway, Corey, welcome to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me. And yeah. he's actually in the studio today. Yes, which is not everybody comes to the studio. I don't know. They think they're we're going to make faces at them and stuff, which we do actually. <laughs> Donna does that a lot. She makes a lot of faces, but that's okay. We're, we're gonna going to talk about something we don't we don't usually talk about so um and we like this idea because what this shows uh the fire investigation community that there are other aspects to it and for firefighters that are interested in going into um, uh, fire investigations after uh, public service this is another wrinkle that they can get into so um so let's start with you with you Corey. what kind of um, what kind of Claimants or uh, the manufacturers I hear from. If they, if the manufacturers uh, hears from somebody and says, "I think your your guys did it, caused my fire." Well, typically, most of the claims come in through a letter from a lawyer uh, representing an insurance company, or even from the insurance company itself directly. And they get a letter basically saying that your product. Um, sometimes it's identified as an exact product with model and serial. Sometimes it's just, uh, let's say, a particular product, and saying that it is in the uh, origin area and may or may not be involved in the ignition of the cause of the fire. And here's a date that we've set aside for us to do a joint examination, either at the site or in a laboratory. So typically, the number one way it comes in is through um, a letter form or direct contact from an insurance company or the representative. But oftentimes, too, they get it from individuals. And a lot of times, individuals either don't have their own insurance, they have a high deductible, and so they uh, don't uh, want to call their insurance on a smaller claim, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. We get a lot of small businesses that do that, a lot of individuals that do that, that uh, don't want to return it to their insurance company for one reason or another. And so they call directly either, usually that's a phone call, not a letter, but sometimes a letter or an email through the system. 
Well, I'm familiar a lot with the uh, putting on notice um, of different people because I, you know, as a fire investigator here in um, the private sector, if we, there's three things sitting on a shelf and, uh, and the origin is on that shelf and everything is melted and everything. They want to put everybody on notice. So that's when you would get a letter from an attorney. Right? Oftentimes, uh, and I call it the, the shotgun effect. <laughs> the shotgun effect, yeah. uh, As many as, you know, two or three or sometimes as many as 60 different manufacturers or products or not only just manufacturers or products, but you also, in that case, you'll have insurance companies, um, other residences or other properties that are damaged as well be represented. Um, and sometimes um, installers or contractors are part of that shotgun effect of what may have caused this early in investigation. I, I call it this. Uh, yeah, you and I both call it the same thing, the shotgun uh, <laughs> approach to subrogation. And what that, uh, well, so what happens to subrogation is when uh, when, a, when the insurance company is going to put on a lot of different people on notice to come to a scene together and determine what caused the fire. And uh, and as, as Corey already pointed out, it's uh, they really are just putting a lot of people on notice because they don't know. I think the worst one I ever had was, I think there was 34 investigators, 16 attorneys, and another 20 engineers. And we we were up in a in a in, in this three million dollar loss. And what I thought was funny is they had the lawn sprinkler guy on notice because he had he had a uh, controller in the basement. And the second, the, the, actually the fire was uh, the third floor. But he was on notice. I actually represented the manufacturer of bedding sheets one time. <laughs> bedding sheets. Now, it, I thought the same thing. When he came in, I, I kind of laughed and said, how is that dealing with the origin or ignition of a fire? And it's fire spread. Uh, it was a fire spread issue. Mm-hmm. It was at a nursing home when five people passed away during uh, the fire. Uh, so you, you think, you, as we go into fire investigation, we forget about other things. of fire spread, foam on the walls, uh, insulation materials. So I've gotten a, a couple different things, but bed sheets is probably the most odd one that I went, huh? <laughs> well, that kind of reiterates uh, what, because I know you have fire service in, in private, like, like us, investigations, but... When it comes to rating fires and the spread of fires, it makes sense that the position you have exists because there is a liability and an interest there in fire safety and protection, correct? Absolutely. And, and, I, and I talk about false cause of liability. A lot of times manufacturers are, are of a product, whether it be the ignition or a fire side, are falsely accused sometimes. Mm-hmm. But other times it's legitimate. Uh, there are standards and codes that the manufacturers should or must meet or, or exceed, which I, I think we would agree we'd rather than exceed than just meet. But um, And if they don't do that, then they do have a responsibility to be uh, to pay for damages or whatever is caused by that. So I think it's important that we do study that. Um, and actually, uh, where our industry has gone, I think we're all uh, kind of looking at a bigger picture. We talk about the bigger picture of things. Sure. Mm-hmm. And subrogation, I think, is where that really comes into play. Yeah, and I think so, too. And we're sitting in a studio here with all kinds of uh, foam deadening materials on the walls here. I'm of course, if I ever had a fire in, in my place anyway, they're going to come after me and, and say I did it anyway. So <laughs> then it didn't make any difference. But uh, I just hope you're there for, for the product when when uh, if I ever you know, unfortunate enough to have a fire. I'd love to be. But it, it comes into consideration kind of what we do is as uh, this could be the installer. Mm-hmm. Did he properly meet code for installing this? Um, mm-hmm. Did it require a different upgrade of a protection system? Do you have to have smoke detectors or a fire sprinkler system? Those are all things in subrogation. Um, myself as a manufacturer, or you as representing the insurance company, would want to look at. And sometimes we get so focused on that intimate, what the ignition source was, 
there's other things that could be involved in this fire as well. Well, and that's an interesting thing. Uh, when you just said that, I was thinking about installation. Um, I'm sure, and especially with installation, there's human factor involved. <laughs> Donna, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I, and everybody that's ever worked with me, seen me, or talked to me over uh, uh, refreshments at any point in time has heard me say this. <laughs> I really believe that a good 95 to 98% of all fires are something either someone, a human, either does or fails to do. Mm-hmm. We either do something wrong, we use a product wrong, or we use a device wrong, or we do it deliberately, or we fail to properly maintain or f- properly install. So, again, I think the human factor on almost all explosions and fires are going to be either something we do or don't do. I want to look at those areas real strongly. <laughs> yeah. You know who said that to, to us, and, uh, and of course it was on the show, but you know him too, your friends, uh, Jamie Novak. Jamie Novak said there's only three causes of fires, men, women, and children. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll, I'll give God a little bit for the active lightning, but other than that, I don't know much else. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, what about the dogs and the cats and the rats? And the, and you know, that's still a human factor. Yeah. If you think about it, we didn't sure. protect the... Uh, power cord that we're chewing on. We didn't properly keep them from getting to those items, stuff like that. Our squirrels, I did have a squirrel we blamed once, built a nest in a flu system outside of a house, and mm-hmm. sure enough, the flu's hot enough to ignite the materials that the nest was made out of. But whose fault was that? It's still human because we didn't block the squirrel from being able to get in there properly or secure it properly. So right. Right. Jamie's minute. right. <laughs> I bet the attorneys weren't too happy about trying to recover from a squirrel. Not, once we open the wall, it all changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fireplace installer is pretty happy to see that. Uh, I can imagine. <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, who calls you? I mean, well, you said the manufacturers call you, but uh, there's a difference between being an insurance company um, investigator like me or a public service investigator and a manufacturer's uh, consultant like you, right? Absolutely. Uh, typically, I get a call from a law firm who's been hired by the manufacturer. Um, and they have different law firms they use all over the country, the same as they do the fire investigators and engineers. Um, and we get that call from them to uh, go with them either to the scene or to a, a lab, uh, I would say, a lab exam. About 50% of the time, I don't get to go to the scene. It's already been cleaned up. Evidence has been collected. And so we pr- proceed to a lab exam mm-hmm. and gather information from there. But usually it's the, the lawyer for the manufacturer calls me. Some cases, though, uh, manufacturers and some manufacturers manage their own cases. So sometimes I get direct call from them. I have a, a, you and I had a conversation about this and the hired gun. (laughs) (laughs) And what we were talking about, I'm going to go ahead and let you elaborate on that because I think there's a misconception out there. Um, Well, and I'm very fortunate. Um, All the people I've worked for almost my entire career have been people that want to know the truth. Just tell me what it is. I don't want any make anything up. I don't want you to invent anything. Just make it up. But I've had a few lawyers, especially, but uh, not to pick on lawyers, but a few that say that they're advocates, and they're, that's their job is to be an advocate for their client. Mm-hmm. Um, and the legal issues of litigation is different than what we do. I mean, we are truth seekers, and I believed it from the very beginning. I took my first oath um, that I'm a truth seeker. But I've had a few that wanted me to say things or leave things out to help their case, and I just won't do it. Um, and I believe most investigators in the country really like that. Most people I run into, investigators and engineers alike are like that. There are a few that are not, but they're not hard to tangle with too often. No, they're not. <laughs> and you know who they are. After this is, uh, Even though we have this large uh, community of investigators, you get to know pretty quickly who are the ladies of the late afternoon. Um, <laughs> I've cleaned that up. That's one way to put it, yes, Mike. I mean, well, I mean, well as, as part of our code of ethics for the IAAI, the International Association of Arson Investigators, uh, it says we are truth seekers, not case makers, which you just uh, quoted. 
Uh, also, Sitting Bull, surprisingly, had said that um, it takes few words to tell the truth. And it does. It takes few words to tell the truth. And that's what we're supposed to do. And we're, we're lucky in, in my company, and, and, uh, and you are lucky in yours, that uh, we don't work for people that want us to change our opinion or want to help them. We, we, uh, we go with the people that want to hear the truth, good or bad. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I've, I've told many a, a carrier that, um, okay, this is, this is not going yours. This is not yours. Absolutely. Uh, and and I, I like that part of it, but I've had some. I've actually been fired from a case. Um, <laughs> a friend of ours was fired first. Then they hired me, and, uh, and then I got fired from the case because I wouldn't say what they wanted to say. Um, and that was a long to- time ago in my career, but it does happen still, I think, out there. Now, I would say this, though. I want to just add this to that comment, though. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of investigators are into uh, nowadays have all my whole career. Not only are they, I don't think they're doing it on purpose sometimes. I think it's a lack of understanding and training. I really do. Mm-hmm. And they'll go to training sometimes. And you know, I've seen them at training. Then I get with them on a scene somewhere and I'm like, didn't you hear the same thing I heard? Right. And I think it's this comprehension thing and not understanding the whole process. Um, yeah. And so I think that's a lot of it. There are people that do it on purpose, but I think others is just, they're failing to follow the procedures, the guidelines, mm-hmm. or here, let's go this favorite word. The methodology. How about that? The methodology brings you to the truth. The scientific method. Go ahead. Well, and also, and and I've seen this when, not commonly, but I have seen where you have law enforcement and fire, they are advocates. They are advocates for this. And so to make that jump, it's kind of a frame of mind. So it's not really that they're, they just don't know any better, like you just said. I I agree with that. I, I ran into a guy, one of the nicest investigators, a really super, super nice guy. Liked him a lot. Uh, and we're, but we're working the scene stuff together, and he come. He just came off a of fire marshal's office for a large city, mm-hmm. and um, his mentality, or well, I don't know if that's the right word, but his mindset, way of mindset, mindset. was yes. just so different than what we do. Right. So he was kind of under a learning curve because we come in with this 27 years of experience on this side of litigation, yeah. going, that's not how we do it. You got to you got to think of it this way, and you got to process mm-hmm. differently, and you need more than a hundred photographs. <laughs> yeah. And that's not to criticize because no. it is it is a completely mindset shift, and it's not that anybody's intentionally trying to do something wrong. Actually, their intent is to do something right, and they just don't know any better. I think it's an experience and training thing. Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's why we started years ago in the in the nineties, the early nineties. We started taking public service people with us as as assistants diggers assistant uh, you know diggers they call them are they call them technicians or whatever they call them the bottom line is to take them to many many fires show them what the proper procedures are in fact it's worked out fine for me because what happens is i keep them in a three-year program get them uh to a place where they can get their iwaicfi and then they are my investigators so it works a great investment for you with time wise for the company but at the same time what a great investment in people because they're going to be better wherever they go. Even if they stay with the fire department or yeah. marshal's office, wherever they are, they're going to be better investigators. It's going to make better for everybody. Well, I know uh, you're a good example of, uh, of, a, of a good role model for somebody. You came out of public service, right? You you spent a lot of time with the IAAI. You spent a lot of time on fire scenes as a private investigator with a, with a private investigations firm. And then you decided that you were going to, Start your own thing. So it's, you know, you took a risk. It, 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 come, it took a full circle, that's for sure. It really did. Um, and, and my first guy, my first mentor just was, and, and I think that's important. Like you say, you mentor people. Yeah, yeah, sure. My first mentor just opened the doors, 
was open for me and just gave me every opportunity. I remember sitting, well, I said in uh, 17 depositions and three trials before I ever had my first case because I went with him. He always took the time and, and some money. It cost money to bring some with you. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. To make sure I was there, make sure I was at training education stuff. Um, I, I was very fortunate. Um, I told you earlier, I've been blessed my whole career. And I believe that's part of it, that mentor that really set me on the right path. Um, and even this is before the days of in a PA 921 and sure. understanding the scientific method. We were kind of using the same process. We just didn't know what to call it back then. But he set me in the right path. Now, I will say I learned and so did he taught me some things that weren't right. right. <laughs> some of those myths that we now know science <laughs> said, no, it didn't work that way. But but we've all learned together at that point. And, but it was still the truth is the most important thing. And if you don't know it. Say you don't know it. How did you personally go from from the what we do and what you were doing uh, into the manufacturer side? It was it was really by accident, <laughs> and and the, being the right place at the right time. Um, I started with a small firm, and I had gotten an opportunity to work with a large nationwide firm, with engineers and uh, all kinds of engineers doing all kinds of forensic stuff, and they had a fire investigation division. So um, at that time, I got married and, and was having a babies and needed better insurance and all. So great opportunity to go for a large fir- firm. They had the relationship with some manufacturers. Um, and it just so happened during a big recall time, uh, the caseload was more than that particular investigator could handle. So he talked to them about me, gave him my resume. I met with them a couple times. And they said, okay, if you can't make it, we'll accept him. But if, as long as you are overseeing the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how it started. Uh, and that was 17 years ago, my first manufacturing project. Mm-hmm. And um, it just becomes a way when you when they like what you do and they know you're going to tell them the truth and you're going to do a fair and honest job, mm-hmm. um, they keep using you. And so one manufacturer sees you on the job and then another one will say, hey, I want to use him too. And it's just blossomed that way. So it's about 10 different manufacturers I work for on a pretty regular basis. Um, I don't have all my eggs in one basket that way. I still do a couple insurance jobs locally if uh, one of their local guys that can't cover it does. But for the most part, it was being in the right place. And then once you get the door open, I think doing a fair and honest job for them. Sure. I think it's really neat because uh, I think we worked one together down in uh, Augusta, Kansas one time. It was uh, one of those little uh, small room. It was like a utility room where they had a furnace. And uh, do you remember this? Oh, I remember it well because you had to mail something back to me. Yeah, I did. My field notes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, left, I left my field notes. No, and I'm not the first person who's done it. And, <laughs> no. and I've mailed them back to other people, too. But oh, yeah. but I remember very well, uh, I'm, I drove over from, the, I live in Illinois, this Illinois side of St. Louis. And I, I remember being halfway back on 70 and and just had one of those moments. You know, you're doing your inventory in your head. And went, oh, my God. Thank God I know Mike. Yeah. So I called, and, and you weren't close. You had to drive all the way back down there. Yeah, but that's all right. Get back in there, grab my notes, and then mail them back to me. So I appreciate that. No, no, I remember that case. Good. Well, when we talk about there's a many things that go on in fire. To, fire uh, uh, I Well, I wish I just had all of the brooms and shovels oh. that I ever left at fire scenes. I wish I had them back. I would Flashlights. 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 Tape measures. Um, oh, I just yeah. had to buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do that, don't we? I mean, it isn't that way. I mean, think, well, we, we usually have our camera. We have the car because we have to ride in it. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't think I've left my field notes since then. That's one of those other things you really <laughs> you get. But once you do it, yeah. but it just happens that way. And you'll see guys now with the big vests and the big belt systems. And I like that. And I, I've got a vest and a belt system, but yeah. you can only do so much. And, and, you know, in a fire scene, as you're tripping over things and stepping over things and climbing right. and digging and shoveling, yeah, um, something. something just gets laid down. 
Yeah. And or someone borrows it. Yeah. I've done our, that too. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, we were at a fire scene once uh, uh, here in, in the city uh, in um, not a very good neighborhood. And one of my investigators were, there's three of us here. It's a gigantic scene. Okay. So he left, left his, uh, well, he put it down his camera and he put it down in, in a, in an area that could be seen from a doorway. Okay. So he put it down like on a shelf and in runs this guy, grabs the camera, runs. To, so he's got three guys chasing him down a down a alleyway. And now this is back in 35 millimeter days, right? So he throws it straight up in the air. You can imagine what happens. It comes down, hits, and we didn't have a camera. Oh my gosh! But 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 it happens like that. I mean, people people do things, and we lose things, and and it's all human beings. It's all human beings. Stuff. Well, and that's something also. I mean. Uh, it, and for the fire service, most of our listeners are fire service out there, and some are new, and and please understand that things like that are going to happen. And there's, uh, we had one of our guys, actually, you know, you go into the bad neighborhoods, and it was in the east side of the city, the east side of the cities like St. Louis, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, generator running, oh, he's yeah. in the basement, and they actually stole the generator, of course, that's not light. You know, he was able to get out there and chase him down, and they dropped it because it's too heavy. To, but they were stealing it as... Things, and, things happen, that's for sure. Well, and we, we train our, our guys, and, and because of 921, we take a person with... Nobody goes alone. Unless it's a joint exam, they take someone with them per 921. And uh, those guys are trained to stage this is the tools, this is where everything goes, and we're staging in yeah. this area. Well, it's safety. It's safety. Uh, it's, that's a great safety thing. Uh, a lot of firms don't have that opportunity. And, and I'll tell you, even now, I, occasionally, especially if an insured calls directly or a homeowner calls directly, and they don't have insurance. And so there are times still in my career that I am the only one there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's scary. It really is for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, even if it's just a small fire, there's a lot of structural damage. You still got to worry about where you're at, who you're at, who's going to, you know, what's going on with everything. So it's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Last week's show was uh, we were talking about Ferguson and oh. we had Rob Wiley on and we were talking about, you know, the fire service and EMS being under fire. I mean, it's really it is a dangerous. It, it, and and being aware of your environment at all times. And if yes. you have somebody as your backup. And I was very fortunate as a, when I was with the first small firm is we had interns, too. So we always had somebody with us. That was nice. But the large firm I worked for. It didn't work that way. No, it's true. And, well, here's another fun little fact. Uh, he brought it up as originally before 921. 921 was, uh, was written to help uh, public service uh, people to, uh, to explain fire, um, the fire, well, the scientific method and, and, uh, and procedurals, right? But, but something really didn't change. God didn't change uh, physics. I mean, uh, and so some of the things that the myths that were blown up, uh, that was good because that was all about research, new research. But you've seen over time, and I know you have uh, seen as I have, um, the real enlightenment uh, that is that has helped us uh, by uh, by utilizing the procedures. And it's not about that. You have to make that book your friend, right? I think you should. <laughs> and uh, how it's used and how, how all the standards and guidelines and industry uh, customs are done, I, I think is important to know and use. There's no doubt about that. Like manuals for like 
the, the manufactured item that you're looking at, some of the people never get the manuals and read them to see what the heck it's the nomenclature. How does it even work? How does that yeah. product really work? That's or, right. That's I think that's a big thing. Uh, what are the warnings that come with the product? Sure. I mean, to, to talk about the human involvement, back to that again. Um, I think that's a big one right there is. And that's one of the things I think um, the difference is when you get investigators who are from the insurance company and a manufacturer to come in that we can share information. Uh, Two things on that side. One is that's usually my biggest uh, problem is the lack of information I get when I get there. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that a little further, but I think it's the most important thing is I can bring to the table is data about how the product really works. Right. And I think that's terrific because uh, a lot of uh, public service people and, and private investigators don't have that, don't know where to look for it or haven't had the experience with that particular product before. So, I mean, it, you're invaluable to, to the uh, explanation of the, of the process uh, to them. And now, of course, the, there's, there are some people that don't, uh, that, uh, don't utilize um, things properly. They just, what they do is they get tunnel vision and they say, this is it, and that's the only thing. I'm sure you run across that too. I, I do quite a bit. Um, and I feel part of my role then is to help open that again. Because sometimes the tunnel vision is, it's just that I've done it. I've been tunnel vision. I get stuck on something or I'm right there and it's, it's easy to keep flowing that way. And you need someone else to nudge you sometimes to go, have we thought about that? Play devil's advocate with you. I feel when I come in with you or anybody I come in with, sure. I'm part of the team. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't want to come as an adversary. I want to come as part of the team. Let's get to the truth. Right. Well, yeah, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, because, well, even though it's a, it's a large community of investigators, it's still, still we, uh, we all get to know each other over time. And, and the ones that are open to, uh, well, have open minds or, or have the closed stuff. So when we come back, we're going to talk to you about, uh, because we're going to have to take a, jo- uh, a, a little bit of a break here in a moment. But when we come back, what we're going to talk to you about is you've worked with state, federal, you know, local, state, federal, and, and all the different types of uh, of investigators, private investigators, public investigators, and um, and also you've also testified, have you not? I have, yes. So what we can do is when we come back, we can talk about is there a difference between working with these different types of investigators and and what um, what you do differently when you're going to either go to state court or federal court. Is that okay? Sure, you? absolutely. Okay. So okay. So what we're going to do now is we're going to just uh, take a, a break now, and so when you come back. Come back to Speaking of Fire. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced, certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. 
FireAnalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact FireAnalysis.net. That's FireAnalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Before the break, we were talking about uh, the positions as private and local, you know, authorities and things like that. And so you as representing a manufacturer, is there a difference when working with local, state, and federal investigators versus insurance company investigators? There really is. And I think one of the biggest differences is that the locale factor. A lot of your local fire investigators will know the people in their area. They'll know the state fire marshals. They'll know the the local fire marshals. They may even know the ATF people sometimes uh, because they've worked with them over and over and over again to where I might be coming in from another area and not know anybody, not even know how to contact them. So that's one of the biggest differences is just knowing how to make the contact and then having that rapport and building that relationship ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Relationships in our business are very important. Like Mike and I have had a relationship. If I come to a fire scene, I know you're going to be honest with me and truthful with me, and I'm going to try and be the same to you. And the same way goes with authorities. And I think when you're working with state, local, federal, excuse me, federal authorities, initially they're going to have one of those um, standoffish attitudes. Mm -hmm. I don't know who you are or what you're going to do with the information or how you're going to treat me. And so you got to hurdle over that and get that rapport built. And it takes some time. And a lot of times if I'm flying in, I've only got, you know, that one day to be there, I don't have time to build those. So I can't get that information as easily. So I depend on the local uh, person to be able to collect it and help share that or make the introduction. It's kind of like the mafia thing. I don't know if you've ever seen the movies like that, but Donnie Brasco is one of my favorite ones because and Donnie Brasco, the lead character, says the other one, how I vouch for you is how they will accept you. Mm-hmm. Right. A friend of mine versus this is a friend or this, I know this guy or this is a friend of mine. Yeah. And I think that's important. So building relationships is, is harder for someone coming in, mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't get to do it at all. But I think that's the biggest difference. Do you find some uh, you find some people resistant um, because you are representing a manufacturer, and they've got this tunnel vision um, about that particular product, and they don't want to hear they don't want to hear things. Do you find any of that? I find the tunnel vision, um, and typically it's because they've been there. They've seen it, and they've done their thing, and they've done some analysis to support that, hopefully. And so they're already there, and I'm not there yet. I've got to start over and build my way toward that. So I'm just a hindrance sometimes, I feel like, to them. Instead of being part of the team, I'm already here, and you're taking more time to get to where I've already been. How come you don't just see it? Um, and I, I think that's the, the number one thing is, is that I, I feel that frustration about that. And I understand they have a frustration as well. Um, other times, I think it's just that. 
their attitude toward people like me. And it may be something that others ahead of me have delivered. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm coming here. I'm going to make sure that whatever you did wrong is is noted and, and that you're wrong about this or wrong about that. And, and that's going to prove my case and help my manufacturer not have to pay your claim. Yeah. But I'm all about it, it's either a good claim or a false claim liability. It's all I care about. Well, if it's a true claim, I want to go after. Let's go the truth. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of restaurant, uh, commercial kitchen fires in, in like in New York City and stuff. And depending on where you're at and who's involved in the situation, um, I've had to I've had to actually stop. They they wanted to immediately go and take this particular thing apart. But no, no, no. We have to do the scientific method. We have to do the exteriors. We have to go up on the roof. We got to go down. Let's check out the rest of the place first and then get to the area of origin. And then they always say, I I love that part because I say the same thing. And then they'll say, okay, let's meet back here in an hour. Like you took seven hours the other day and you're going to give me an hour. Now I'll tell you, here's, here's one way to help them solve that. I think for the local fire investigator, if they would make a copy of their diagram, make a copy of their, not not their field notes, but their, their uh, factual data points. Right. Here's when the fire was, here's what the witness said. Here's what that witness said. Here's what the fire department said. Share that with us right up front. The diagram as well with the right measurements. You don't got to have everything, but at least the the square footage of each room and what the rooms are. If you do some of that preliminary stuff, that will help us get on the same page quicker. Uh, oftentimes, they're like, uh, no, I didn't do that. I didn't think about it. Yeah. So that's one way. And I, I love when I show up at a scene and I get a CD or nowadays a thumb drive yeah. or a copy of thumb drive that says, here's the diagrams, here's the schematics, here's the synopsis of the fire department, here's the fire department report. Right. And it just helps us really get to the same page much more quicker. Yeah, when you, it's easier when you have someone's experience that, um, in, in running um, joint examinations. I know... Um, when we run them, that's exactly what we try to do. We have a briefing. We we give them a copy of the diagram, or if we've already been there, uh, we give we give them everything we can possibly give them. If we got a copy of the fire report, that's fine. If we can get a, a fire official there, we will bring them. Um, only because it speeds the process, and you're still going to have to take your photos. You're still going to have to do the scientific method, exterior, interior, the highest, least, lowest, most, whatever it is, and um, to still get there. I think. The problem that I've had with some people are, um, particularly when it's when it's like engineers, they're there for, um, they want to go straight to the thing immediately. And I've actually I've had, I'm sorry to say that I've had some some disagreements on on the scene. And well, don't touch that because I'll be back. And so there's that kind of thing. And oh, they get they get a little bit. Mad. I've experienced that too. And and that's another one of those rapport things. Hopefully, you have, if you meet somebody more often than that, they'll get sure. to know you and your methodology. But sure. oftentimes, I go into and I've had upstate East Coast and I've had some West Coast stuff that way. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and and oftentimes, depending because when the manufacturer gets the call, they really don't know what the outcome is going to be or if it's even their product really. Sure. So sometimes we're there just to identify if it's our product or not. Is it the other manufacturers? Right. Mm-hmm. And so we want to get to that quickly, but I still have a standard of base of care, mm-hmm. I think, that I have to give to every project. And that is including what I call the busy work, the documentation part. Mm-hmm. And I can't get to the analysis and, and tearing things apart until I get the documentation done. Absolutely. And I run that same frustration as you do. Yeah, I do. Because I'm the only guy there. They might have three guys because they're local. You got the insurance guy, you got the insurance investigator, you got the engineer. Yeah. I come in only for the manufacturer because we're still, we don't know what kind of engineer we might need. Sure. And so there's some frustration there as well, but uh, hopefully we can build that rapport, 
early in the scene and work through that. Yeah. Well, I do a lot of stuff too in joint, well, like you do when, when uh, we're hired as a consultant. Okay. Now I consult, I'm the origin and cause consultant. You're the manufacturer's representative consultant. And we go to the lab exam. Uh, are they going to write it? Are there going to be a lab exam? So we want to make sure that E860, ASTM E860 is met. There's a protocol or there's an agreement that a protocol be written right there at the scene with our engineers. If indeed, in fact, we know which ones to bring. Um, I, I've been there where we've had to suspend them and bring in somebody else because Absolutely. they didn't put the right people on notice. You've no doubt done that. And so we've made several trips like that. <laughs> I know. Well, which is which is actually it's kind of um, it's kind of frustrating for us because we'd really like to do a good job and just do it and 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 uh, have have some kind of an idea what's going on instead of having the return and and it costs everybody more uh, money um, than it need to. It, it does. It does. But now it goes both sides. So sometimes you don't know until you get into it. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of times I say in advance, if especially let's let's talk about let's talk about a water heater for instance. Okay. The water heater is 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 what you think is your origin area, and it's a competent ignition source because um, it can be. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got that down that pat, and they put the manufacturer on notice. But it's nine years old. Who installed it? Who's worked on it? Has it been maintained? And they always just go to the manufacturer. I'm like, well, what about the guy that installed it? Because let's look at the flu system. Is it burning correctly? I mean, that's a, the flu is a big thing with the water heater, especially. Um, and, and the right amount of combustion air. Same way the furnace or any of those other appliances like that. But it, it, sometimes they always skip, and that's one of my first questions. Who installed it and was it installed to some kind of code you know, <laughs> or not? And they go, oh, we didn't think about the installer. That's an important place because that comes back to the human mm-hmm. factor, Donna, we were talking about earlier. Right. Was it installed properly is where we typically go as a manufacturer if it's installed properly, maintained properly, and it still fails, that's probably our fault. And and there there are times when uh, when a, a particular product has a malfunction, and they're the ones that we end up. Actually, this is where it's very good for you and very good for me to be on these scenes and start seeing the kind of things that are happening. And if we have a particular product that keeps having a particular malfunction, may eventually be recalled. Because we, it has to be reported up, and and uh, and you say that, and you and I believe you, is that you, you tell your your manufacturers if there's something wrong with their product, right? Or, or a lot of times, we're from my perspective as the, as the fire investigator, the fire consultant, we can talk about that in a minute because I think there's a difference between what I do now uh-huh. and what I used to do when I worked for insurance companies. Sure. Uh, as, I don't think I'm a true fire investigator anymore, and we can talk about why. But but from that point of view. Um, a lot of times I tell them it is the ignition source. There's no doubt. Uh-huh. And here's the failure. But why is it failing? You better get an engineer to start looking at that. Yeah, right. And so we move to the next step in the process. And, I, and each of my manufacturers have all told me directly, I want to know. I want to know now so we can get this and, and stop it from happening any, any further. And almost every manufacturer's had some kind of recall or they've changed a product in one way, whether it be a true recall or it be a notification of a, a thing or a warning or whatever it be. And, and we are, especially from the insurance company side of view, those first eyes, eyes and ears to a potential bigger problem. And we want to catch it because we want before anybody gets hurt physically and or damages any more property. Yeah, you probably remember these uh, back in the 70s, there were some... Um, there were some coffee makers that used to uh, kind of routinely start burning in kitchens. And uh, I worked and, a few of those cases. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> so that was the manufacturer on that did the recall, 
changed the systems, uh, installed another fusible link in there, and and there you are, and they're not burning anymore. Absolutely, or added protections of some kind, right? Yeah, yeah, some other protections. In fact, matter of fact, that particular type of coffee maker I had for years, you know, you know, so yeah, uh, after that, after that, because they had fixed it. Absolutely agree. Yeah, um, so anyway, so you now, what's funny is that we go to a lot of fire scenes and and. Then invariably, we talked about earlier about things getting uh, lost or some, invariably something may happen. And I've got a lot of funny stories about what happened to me. And I know that we talked before we went on the air that you had a, you had kind of a, 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 you had a case where almost, well, everything went wrong except, uh, well, you weren't arrested. (laughs) (laughs) And I was close, I think. (laughs) Go ahead. I was close. But, you know, early in my career, and I was starting out and uh, got to a very large loss scene, and there's a lot of water in the basement, and uh, uh, three-story building, and part almost all of it collapsed. Uh, First floor was still intact with big holes in the wood floor and everything. And um, I was with another guy from my company. We were up there. We were meeting with the state fire marshals and the uh, local authorities and the fire department, the insurance people. Um, to, to begin an investigation. And uh, very shortly there, we learned that there was about you know, five foot of water in the basement and the origin and the original fire was discovered was in the basement and we weren't going to be able to dig it out um, really. But so I'm out getting my coveralls on and I'm getting my boots on. I'm doing all my things to get ready to be safe to go into the scene. And uh, everybody else had already, they're a little older, a little better organized probably. And they had gotten in the scene before I did. So um, I'm hurrying up and I'm coming in through and and I forgot one of those fundamental tools you should always take in with you the first time you go in, and that's a flashlight. <laughs> so I'm coming down the hallway, and I'm seeing up front. I can see the guys up in there, and I can see their lights, and so I think I can get to where they're at. And sure enough, I fall right through the fl- hole in the floor and cross a board. I mean, literally one leg on one side, one leg on the other, and it was very painful. I can imagine. <laughs> oh, so they, they had to come help me. They hear me screaming. They get me out to the vehicle. I lay around for a while and recover. Um and so we proceed further and done diagrams and we've, we've done some um, photographing and things. And so the other investigator says, hey, make sure you get some photographs in the basement. Even though we can't get down there today, try and get some. So I, I go down a couple steps in the basement right to the water level and I'm taking some photographs. And back then it was a big flash that was on our side of our camera. Mm-hmm. And I took the flash off and laid it on the step to get an angle for the flash in the film uh, and knocked the flash into the water. Great. It's 500 dollar flash down in the water <laughs> that investigator says there's no way we're going back without that no, no so i tried a pike pole and that didn't work and tried some other things finally in my wisdom i decided to uh go in myself so i went out to the van opened the doors kind of took my clothes off got my coveralls back on and taped up my boots so i didn't get water down in my, my boots and they still leak by the way yeah and uh go back in and, and was fortunate enough to be able to find that flash dug it up pulled things up my feet stepped on it. oh i think that's it got it up didn't work at that point, but got it up. Yeah. So I go back out to the vehicle. Now, that's the second thing. I've, I've fall through the hole. Now, yeah. I've lost the flash and recovered it. I'm all wet. I go back out in the alley where the van's parked up against a brick building over here. And hadn't really paid attention to my surroundings like I probably should have. And I'm taking off my coveralls. Of course, I'm standing there in the alley with the doors protecting me, but, but naked. And um, a door opens down the alleyway. And this lady steps out and says, would you want to use our bathroom? Uh, no, no, no. She goes, well, we can see everything through that window you're standing in front of. It was oh. one of those one-way windows where I couldn't see him and they could see out. <laughs> oh, that's great. So embarrassed as I was. And uh, no, no. So I hurried up. I got my clothes back on and I was just embarrassed. 
And of course, the other fire investigators and the state fire marshals are all making fun of me. Of course. That's and so, okay, that's that's strike three. Thought I was done. Thought I was good. We finished the day up. We board up the, this is before the battery drills. We had to sure. have a generator working. I screw in the doors, get everything loaded in the vehicle, and the other fire investigators take some inventory. And he goes, where's the shovel and the broom? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot it in the building. So I had to get the generator back out. Start it back up, get the drill out, unboard everything, get our shovel and a broom, put it back and board it all back up and go home. Four strikes in that one job. <laughs> you know, well, I'm just happy that that, that, that happened to you. And I've got a, I've got a good friend and uh, he's been on the show before. And and, uh, and he, this guy, I was sorry to see, he just now retired about a year ago. And uh, in fact, he's working with me now. He retired from one of the big box stores anyway. Um, and uh, he... Um, he, he had all kinds of things go wrong with him. I mean, if there was going to be a nail, somebody's going to step on a nail, right? It's going to be him, right? If he's if you're going to slip off of some some metal roofing, you know, a, a stack of metal roofing you're walking across, it's going to be him. He's going down. He uh, he fell through a ceiling oh. of a house, uh, you know, got, and had to get surgery. Oh, my stuff. gosh. I mean, the poor guy. I was so sorry to see him retire because that means... Our odds go up. Yeah. For the rest of us again. <laughs> so, so then apparently now I do have a guy that I've hired as a as a trainee, and now things are happening to him. <laughs> so the so at least maybe maybe I can get to the rest of my career without uh, getting killed. The circle of our career, circle of our life. Like the That's circle it, of life. the circle of life. Yeah. Okay. So now you, I think I know what you. One of the things that we really rely on you for is the, uh, you know, there's there's certain industry practices and guidelines and publications that uh, that you're dealing with all the time that the general fire investigator out there in the street aren't. I mean, there's so many thousands of, of products. Um, so you're the one. You're the one that we would re. Uh, when you get to the scene as part of the team, we'd say, well, you know, is there something that that we can look at that you that other than the manual? I hope to hell they know what to, to look up the particular manual. I, I will say, uh, with the invent of the uh, the internet and yes. and iPads now, a lot of times your product manual is right there online. The right. easy stuff's right, right there, and so you can you can know the components and all that pretty quickly on scenes. And most guys. And, and ladies working in this business are doing that. Yeah. Uh, but still, sometimes I got to go. Have we even looked it up yet? <laughs> yeah. And so we look it up. But but there are a lot of others, especially like UL standards. Yeah, sure. Manufacturers all comply with UL standards, and they do testing to UL standards. Sure. And a lot of times I get with people, and they'll want to do these tests. I'm like, well, wait a minute. The the data you're going to get from your test is not a reliable data. And they look at me kind of like I'm crazy. Well, there's a standard for that. There's right. a standard on how to test a certain product. Yeah, sure. Uh, to the standard for the manufacturer and for the government both. ASTM standards. ASTM standards. Yeah. Uh, we use them all the time. I was with a guy not too long ago uh, reading his deposition. In his deposition, are you familiar with 921? Yep, absolutely. Are you familiar with ASTM standards, E860, 1188? Right. Never heard of them. Oh. Well, they're in 921. If, you, if you've if you read and understand 921, and I'm not saying you got to read page by page every time, or you, you need to be fam- very familiar with it, but right. you at least ought to know what the relied standards are and that's one of them those two right there mm-hmm. there's seven of them i think all together listed in fp920 and, and and i don't fault them that's part of the training mm-hmm. in our industry and I, that's why i believe in the iwai the state chapters and anybody else that's producing good training for fire investigators because we all need to either be reminded or learn of 
what's out there we should use as tools. Well, I agree with you. And in, in uh, NFPA 1033, the standard for professional fire investigators, they, they you have to meet those JPRs in there. And there's 28 of those. Yeah, 16 yeah. currently. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, no, the oh, the big 16 is yeah. in there. That's one 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 point three point seven. Right. Uh, the 16, but there's 28 JPRs. Oh, in, right. Yeah, in in. Uh, in, nine, in 1033, but in the back of 1033 also has ASTM standards. And I listed. You've you've got to know these things. Absolutely. And um, and I'm trying to impress. You, although you and I are having this conversation, we're trying to impress on the on the fire investigators in the world that listen to this. And we have a big we have a big uh, uh, fire uh, fire investigator and firefighter um, listenership here. Well, that's good because I think here's the mo- here's here's what I'm gonna say about two things on the nine, uh, 1033 and 921. You and I were were both very active with the International Association. We were both on the board at the time NFPA 921 came out, and we were both active in our careers that time. And we paid so much attention to NFPA 921, which I think was great. But 1033 was already around, right? And we spent 20 years arguing about 921 when 1033 really should have been our focus because it's it's what. The standard is, yep. not a guide, the standard to be a fire investigator. And I've, I've had a copy since the very beginning. And by fortune, my mentor said, you should know this. Me too. But so many people don't. And I tell them nowadays, I'm, I'm glad we're coming back around. And we're starting with the qualifications to be a fire investigator, right. 1033. If we start there, 921 becomes really easy because I, I look at when I teach about it. 921 or 1033, the qualifications to be. 921. Right. The how to do it. The how to do it is right, and and the the attorneys are not uh, they're not uh, blind to that fact. Ten thirty three is being used uh, a lot in in uh, depositions now, so you better have some training in those. You're talking about the big sixteen, the sixteen things that you're supposed to have uh, training in beyond a high school level. You better stay current with them. And Mike, I'll tell you. Uh, one of the more important things is as we've developed our CVs over the years right. and, and we've gone to training, you and I have been chairman of training committees and yep. training uh, uh, courses. The thing that really needs to happen in our industry is to help fire investigators. And if they if the training class doesn't, the fire investigator has to himself, is you can't just take away a certificate that says eight hours of fire investigation training anymore. Mm-mm. You need to have it documented two hours in uh, thermodynamics, two hours in fire dynamics, two hours in an interviewing or whatever it be. You've got to individually document that. Um, and I think the way the CVs are looked at, the way they've traditionally been looked at, is going to change. Yeah. What you're going to see now, what you should see now, is a spreadsheet. Yeah. And here's my training, and here's when it was, here's who taught it, and here's what was covered by the hours. Yeah, as, as old as uh, I am. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Well, this is what we took, and it was in the old log cabin with the... Uh, hard to go back. The, yeah, it's hard to go back on the old stuff. Well, CFITrainer.net has many modules uh, that deal with the, the 16 things that are required. And, uh, in fact, they have a spreadsheet. That was, I mean, an, well, actually, a sheet that tells you which particular module uh, fulfills that particular area or at least addresses that area. So we want people to that are fire investigators to go to CFI. Uh, trainer.net it, and it's free and what it's, a great tool what a great tool it was it was a uh, uh, dave sneed who was the president uh, before me i was his vice president first vice he's the one that noticed uh, that that there was money available for that the first i was able to to announce it when i was president that it went on the it actually went up when i was president sandy burnett god bless his soul was the first uh module on uh truck versus magnetech uh, I remember it very well, uh, and, and, and both those gentlemen very well. Uh, I actually was a committee chair 
uh, for a special project while you were president. We turned it in, yeah. uh, and that was juvenile fire setting that actually got up there eventually. Exactly, and that yes, and that uh, that was wonderful. I yeah. and and, and look terrific. at it now; it yeah. has grown to a, a magnificent tool and place for training that is free, yes. is easy to use, and the, the international provides that service. You don't have to be a member. No, I know it's yeah. a free service for anybody, and so but. The backstream of that is it's documented. You're training right there. Fantastic. You can pull it down anytime you need to. Exactly right. And uh, and the uh, well, for all of the uh, fire investigators out there, remember that uh, the international is is working for you. And uh, and these modules are very important. Stonehouse Media does a great job putting it up there. Um, Rod Alman has been on the show. Uh, you worked so much for with the IAAI. You did so many different things. I was very fortunate. Board. Yeah, and everything. So, um, you know, we still see you at, uh, at seminars, but uh, hopefully someday we'll be able to drag you back. I, you know, I still have, you know, I'm still teaching the expert witness testimony course, you know, for them. For, I, I was uh, president of the pilot program that you guys put on. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't go through it. I was I was one of the uh, setup people helping That's build right. it. Yeah, 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 That's right. Yeah. That's the uh, National Fire Academy. That's right. I, re I remember very well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that... Um, I've been very blessed, and the international actually opens so many doors. And I still run into people. You know, you talk about I, earlier. I talked about building rapport. Mm -hmm. I I run into people all over the country that either remember me or knew me from days I worked on committees, or I worked on the board of directors or after that. The opportunity to learn from other people, the contacts I made, and what people have taught me, you know, people like yourself and others around the country, is is just I I, I could never got that kind of training anywhere else. No, you're right. And in networking throughout the entire Absolutely. world, you with uh, I've, I've been to many countries now with, with the with the international. I know that you've been around also, and we uh, we did, we can't uh, I can't endorse it higher, you know, for just getting to know each other. Now we're here right at the end, Corey. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. Well, uh, best way to get in touch with me is, is Corey Reeves at originfirst.com. My email, my number is six one eight six two three. Eight five eight four, and that's that's great. And so, just give me your number one more time because uh, we got that long. Six one eight six two three eight five eight four. I don't mind answering any questions or helping somebody or guiding somebody in the right direction. Did you hear that, fire investigators out there? But did you hear that, attorneys and manufacturers? Here's a guy that's going to represent you properly. It's going to tell you the truth. Um, and just like the rest of us here in the private industry that, that are, are um, have some integrity. So join us again next week. We're going to have a surprise guest next week. And so we're going to, I'm just going to throw that out there as a teaser. So, um, uh, Corey, thank you for being here. Mike, it was a pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. And when you come back, come back to Speaking of Fire. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.